real quick. Wait, wait. I think I got it. I think I got it. Okay. That ain't it. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Here we go. Word has awakened. All right. I can do this. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. I'm Patrice. I'm Marleya. <laughs> I always feel like we should do some just odd noise like right after, even though we have like the intro going on. I really do like the cicadas. I like I, the cicadas I do in too. the intro. They make me happy. They do make me happy too. They don't annoy me like they do a lot of people. Like I could listen to like frogs oh, no. and cicadas that's all like, day. Yeah, that's like your thunderstorm or your rain sound at night to go, you know, you open up your window and you have like the songbirds and the cicadas and the frogs and yeah. that's like my perfect soundtrack for sleeping cicadas are made to drown out things like it's just i mean though when they get like super loud they yeah, do get they, a they, they can be like, like super, if they were like the loud. only thing if that not like part of the whole aesthetic yeah if they are like the main thing or it's just like bob the cicada is gonna be a jerk and like scream all night go home bob <laughs> yeah, you're, you're drunk, drunk. <laughs> <laughs> but let me tell you when i was looking up cicadas um or trying to find soundtracks of cicadas for the intro i learned about them and i learned that they make that noise and i'm probably getting this number wrong but we're just going to pretend this is a fact (laughs) (laughs) they make that noise because they suck their stomach their thorax in and out 300 times a second oh my god so it's like literally vibrating their stomachs vibrating and that's what makes that noise 300 times just a like, second <laughs> jesus <laughs> now i'm picturing like like beer belly bob the cicada just like <laughs> over and over and over again, over again. <clears throat> does time move faster for smaller creatures yes interesting it is that is a question yeah yes uh so do you have any post-mortem? I do. I actually have post-mortems this week. There are a couple that I've forgotten like week after week. There was one that you had like as soon as we turned it off. Yeah, the moment we were, we were like, done, there were two things that I hadn't said. One was the like the huge one was the story that I told on the last episode, which was about um, the Rockford house. Mm-hmm. Uh, the When we were talking about Willie Maxwell and the voodoo preacher... I, I left out probably the most notable thing that would first come up on Google if you typed in his name. Oh, yeah, that's right. Harper Lee yes. wrote a book about the voodoo preacher that was called The Reverend, I think, in mm-hmm. maybe the 80s, that she went down to Rockford and interviewed the lawyers and interviewed a whole bunch of people, but the, she decided never to publish the book. And there were, there were questions whether she'd actually finished it or not. But um, the lawyer who... Uh, who had originally defended Willie Maxwell and then defended the guy who killed Willie Maxwell, he had four handwritten like one lawyer pages. in that town? Yeah, the, but yeah. It's like, what do they call I it object. in one of the stories? I <laughs> jumped to the other side of the That's table. That's right. Overruled. Um, 
but yeah, that he they said at one point that he was like the only white lawyer that would that would uh, stand up for a black man. But uh, she she was friends with him. Apparently, Harper Lee was friends with him, and his estate had four pages handwritten in Harper Lee's handwriting of the first, you know, the first four pages of that book. Wow. But um, they don't allow photos. They don't say so, you know. Mm. There's no way for you to know. And and they most of the files that were given to her from his office disappeared somewhere. So the estate of that guy, that lawyer, he can't get them back now. And so it's never going to happen. The book is never coming out. But Harper Lee did famously go to write this book called The Reverend about the the guy that we talked about at the end of that part of the story. Right. So that was pretty, that was a pretty notable thing that I left out. (laughs) Yeah. um, And uh, the other one was that, you know, we talked about like Jenny laying in bed, the sleep paralysis thing where there was like the skinless creature that sat on her chest that terrified everybody I literally like spent three nights having nightmares and not being able to sleep all the way through because I kept opening my eyes expecting to see like a rotten corpse spring at me oh my god and I can totally like I have I could I probably should like paint it because I have such a a vivid uh picture in my head of what that looks like and what it looked like when it turned around and grinned at her before going out the door to her baby's room. Oh my, you should very least sketch it or something. And that's what pops into my brain every single night is that whole little image that I have in my brain that's like ingrained now. Thank you. Oh Marla. my God. Sorry about that. Whoa. <laughs> I will paint it and it hang it on your wall. You should, you should at least draw a <laughs> sketch of it and then we can like, we'll sell it for millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, when I was talking about that, 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 um, I don't think I talked about the boo hag, which was another thing. Jenny right. was researching sleep paralysis and that was her explanation for what had happened to her. She also found like descriptions of this, um, this let's see i feel like this might have been a gullah tradition too um that it was the boo hag was the idea of a, a witch that um took off its skin at night and then wandered around you know sitting on people's chests and breathing their breath wow. during the night and then she would go back and put her skin on in the morning so that was wow. a whole big that is that was a whole thing new to me i've never heard about that that is so interesting and mm-hmm. now i'm gonna have to go research that and draw my picture that i have in my brain about it as well you should you really should i really should and i even have one more thing okay this has to do with one of the things you talked about my friend chad who has been listening since we very first you know started doing this he's yes. like the first person ever to let us know box fan chad yes he, uh, <laughs> fellow box fanner <laughs> He uh, and he actually told me this like a couple weeks ago when I did Judy, uh, Judith Ann Neely. His mm-hmm. his mom was actually chosen to be on the jury for that case. <gasps> Holy but shit! But she was pregnant with him, and so she didn't have to go on the jury because she was pregnant. At Chad. But this was the thing he said. You talked about um, people who were able to breathe fire out of other people. Yes. Um. So he said. He said, "My brother-in-law can breathe fire out of people. I got sunburned really badly when I was little." And my mom took me to him and he said words I didn't understand and blew on my back and shoulders and the pain went away. And um, do we still said, have contact with this brother-in-law? Mm-hmm, we, yeah. have, we have to ask questions. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Go I'm ahead. sure we can. I'm sure he'll be on it like, you know, by two hours after we release this, I'm sure. <laughs> but um, he also said there was a girl I went to high school with who had an aerosol can blow up in her face and her parents took her to his brother-in-law. Holy so, shit. Like it was yeah, a thing it's, that it's, everybody it's a thing. knew. And right. I think... 
I've never was it heard Chandler? Of it. Somebody else had said the same thing that they they Chandler, I think, had said that her daughter had had a burn and they called her um, her grandmother who mm-hmm. said something over the phone to breathe out the fire. And they said that it worked it or at least made her feel better, I think, was right. the story. So I we'll um, have to research more of that. Yeah. So, yeah, I finally did my postmortems for Chad. I love you, Chad. Awesome. No, we love Chad. And also, yesterday, uh, I had the best birthday gift ever. <laughs> so Marlea gave me a uh, money-charmed anklet where I have the coins, the dimes, in an anklet form. And like I said, I hope I'm wearing it on the right anklet. Like, we want the input money and not the output money ankle. Because <laughs> right now, it's been the output money ankle. So if this doesn't work on this ankle, I may switch it up and see if the other ankle is the input money ankle. You're already um, 40 cents richer. I am. I, I am. So, but no, this is like the best birthday gift ever. So thank you so much. That was so thoughtful. Birthday. Birthday. Did you have any other postmortems? I'm trying to think. Well, yes, I could sit here, like I was telling you, and do like a four-hour lecture. Because oh, yeah. I went down, I'm trying to figure out what I was going to do this week. Because... I was so taken by your story last week, which I think a lot of readers, readers, shit, a lot of listeners <laughs> were. Um, and so I kind of obsessed over it and didn't really think of moving past that. <laughs> and I was talking to some people about, you know, the Gullah tradition and culture. And they, you know, were telling me how they didn't, you know, we have all these things from that culture that we don't attribute to them, but totally comes from that culture, mm-hmm. um, which I find fascinating. And so I did some more research on it and um, found several like academic papers and just went down that rabbit hole while I was trying to find um, my story for this week. And I'm like, uh, just there's just so much and it is so fascinating to me hmm. um you know about the occult and and this belief and you know voodoo versus hoodoo they're totally different um you know which religions that they hit and just everything it's like i really could get wrapped up in all of this and i'm like stop <laughs> i have to find a story that you know is not four hours long to you're tell gonna people. turn into like you're gonna be like a, a voodoo priestess before we're done <laughs> with this you're just gonna be like i, I can't stop looking to re- yeah learned all the things almost like start practice my fire blowing out skills <laughs> i don't know what it's called breathing fire fire what, what do they, they he said breathing fire out of people that's, and, that's yeah and i think to it. and, and shout, i've heard like shouting out some yes, fire too. yelling the fire out Yellow, or something something yeah. like that yeah so i'm gonna have to look more into that but that's totally like my line of what to- interests me about like the cult is like the folklore traditions and stuff mm-hmm. totally just rabbit hole that's but how they get you. That's how the demons get you. That is. Yeah, that's, that's how, how the demons get you. get you. They pull you in with the stories yes. and then they eat your and, brain. And that's right. And then they make you paint pictures about Turn them. you into a voodoo priestess. Exactly. All right. So I went first last time because I had the haint blue. Oh, yes. And then you followed up. It is my turn. I I'm, I probably have too many rabbit trails on here, so I'm going to apologize in advance. This is... 
Um, oh, wait, before I say so, we are um, drinking the Purple Haze again, which again. was probably like episode two or three. Yes. Which we've mentioned almost every episode every since episode. we drank it the first time. So it may be like the in. official Strange South I, I drink. Think, yeah. And it is from, they said, East Carolina in the the recipe that we found. And my story is from North Carolina. So there's yeah. something. Something. There's something. That. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. And I've already drank mine and really need to go get another one. I know. Do we, <laughs> should, should we break before I start so yeah. we can take a potty break and get another drink? <laughs> Sorry. We didn't even make it to like starting. We're <laughs> <or> halfway. <laughs> Let's go do that. We'll be right back. We'll be right after these messages. Oh, I should probably pee. Yeah, me too. Not really counting on it. Well, another sleepless weekend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get comfortably numb, and I'll I'll start. So we have. Uh, are we still? Are we on again? We're back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> we. Uh, Sorry. Yes. We have both of us. I think. Wow, did you get a sour blueberry? That no, was a... I put too much vodka in it. <laughs> <laughs> that Sorry. was a face, man. Ooh. You took a big gulp and you're just like, wow. Yeah, I'll be sipping that, which is probably a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we both have Susan, uh, who guest sat with us last week, to thank for our stories this week. Correct. Um, and so I'll go first with mine. She pointed this out to me because... Um, my story last week reminded her of this story so she hunted it back up and she sent me the link and i will tell you right now that almost all the information that i get that is not historical information all the story information comes from this article that the bitter southerner posted we um, love the bitter southerner. We love the bitter southerner. We really it's like do. it's the best. It is um, the best. <laughs> if you've never been to their website, it's the bittersouthener.com. Yes. And they're just awesome people. It is great. It is great. And this story is called We Salted Nanny. And <sighs> it's very unique. If you type that into Google, you you're not gonna get another hit. Like that's it's the one. That's it. It's the um, one. And it's called A Real Life Southern Ghost Story. And she pointed it out to me and I was like, okay. So I start reading it and I just, I, I couldn't quit. It's long. It's beautifully designed. I think, is it Phil Banks? Phil Blank, I'm sorry, is the um, the artist who illustrates the story. on the, the website is filled with these like really cool watercolors too. Oh, wow. I didn't so, go look it up because she said it was like scary as shit. Like the last one. So I was like, I'm done for a while. Yeah. Um, But I got to go look like... In time, I'll in go. Time. I'll go in look time. at it. <laughs> so I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell that story with a little bit of extra backstory and my own kind of bullshit oh, ramblings. Lovely. So it's my favorite. <laughs> what really? What it is is the story of uh, Poplar Hill House. And okay, let's go. In September of 2014, Tom Maxwell, who is coincidentally uh, one of the performers in the band Squirrel Nut Zippers, which I think just released a new album last year and we can't use their music for any of our intros or outros because that shit is expensive but i'll post a youtube video or something on the website right. you, so that you can, you can look go at it to yourself. their site and listen yeah, to it yeah because they're super fun and they yes. have a lot of like you know what was it hell was one of their songs in the afterlife yeah that song mm-hmm, right it's, it would be perfectly great with this story to, to that like, i'm about to tell so i i would say finish the podcast and then like when we're leaving the podcast just turn it on and mm-hmm. listen to it yourself and then 
and you'll exactly. have the same experience. Wow. So 2014, shit, that is like recent. Again, another really recent one. Fuck. 2014, so Tom Maxwell and his girlfriend Brooke and his daughter Evelyn, they moved into a large oddly inexpensive historic rental house that's red flag number red flag number one in hillsboro north carolina which i didn't know where this was um bits between durham and greensboro so greensboro is like all the way in the north of the state we're not very far from the virginia line here um and hillsbury is small hillsboro is small um but kind of an older settlement popular like it is col- yeah because colonial. all the history here is colonial history right and um so you know i, I don't i don't do very well with population number i was going to say like the population is somewhere around seven thousand. that means nothing to me if you're it, anything like me exactly that means nothing so here's what i do for comparison <laughs> if you use the real life model of andy griffiths mayberry which everyone is familiar with <laughs> That is actually Mount Airy, North Carolina. That's that's what Mayberry was based on. But oh, um, okay. Mayberry is bigger <laughs> than Wow. <Hillsboro. laughs> wow. Okay. So uh, if that helps at all. That does I figured help. that's a pretty common. That, like, that is even, a common. Even the youngins know about Way Mayberry. to put it in context there, <clears> yes. <throat> but um, so this is, I didn't have to spend like 24 hours obsessing over finding this house. I've seen the house and I, I will share pictures of it. Right. Which There's we, even a real estate listing that I can show you for Oh, it. I would love that because we found shit all on that other we house. We never have. I mean, I mean, we are we're very serious about driving down to Rockford very and finding serious. that other house. Because I think that's the only way we're going to find it. Exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the South still doesn't exist in large portions on Google Street View. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, you know. <laughs> the large land like, mass. We ain't got time for this. Ain't nobody down here. Um, <clears throat> so... Anyway, so um, the the house is actually it's very pretty. It's two hundred years old. Wow! This house, um, and the town is really small, and it's got a cute little downtown, like a little a lot of little small you know towns. I have. totally got Mayberry on the brain, so I, I'm with you. I know you can kind of picture, can picture some of this, now, right? and um, because it's a small town, the downtown at one street it just stops, and on one side you've got like the county municipal building or whatever, on the other side you've got complete farmland, nothing. Wow! Okay. And it's on the banks of the Eno River. And, um, you know, outside of this downtown where everything just kind of stops, I mean, even the streets sort of stop on one on one part on the riverside and um, it's it uh, it suddenly gets completely secluded. Right. And excuse me, this is champagne, champagne, um, champagne. So in this house, they were walking distance from the city's river walk. They've got like a nice little walking trail that goes right along the Eno River. Um, and there are historic markers all over the river walk that talk about the Okanichi people who once lived on the land there. Red flag number two. <laughs> um, and there's even a reconstructed Okanichi village on the river walk that is almost within, if there weren't any trees, it would almost be within sight of the house. Oh, wow. It's like, you know, a little reconstructed um, right. tent, tent village. Um, so like I said, it's 200 years old. It's definitely got some issues. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the floors aren't even. There are places when the upstairs doorways, he said, sagged to the point where it looked like they were like eyebrows, like, oh, you know, no. angry eyebrows. Yeah. It, I would say, you know, maybe red flag number three. Right. <laughs> Your house looks angry. Your house is angry. <laughs> but, um, you know, Tom and Brooke, they actually loved the way it was situated. And I completely empathize with this because it's it's walkable to this river walk 
there are flowering trees all over. There's pasture it's land. Mayberry. It's beautiful. The river's yeah, right. a stone's throw away, so you can hear the river. Oh, wow. Um, yes. There were these short stone walls that just snaked through the property, and there's landscaping. There's a gazebo and an outbuilding. There's a Why massive brick, brick porch on the front. Oh, wow. Um, you know, with like, you know, uh, rocking chairs and... Um, lots of windows and there's wildlife there's turkeys there's birds singing in the shallow woods that are like right around the house and everything so it's really pretty there's always families of deer in the yard so they you know it i understand why they got the house oh this yeah beautiful uh, two-story pale yellow house is like calling it's like their a name. no-brainer right so um they move in and um brooke's mother comes to visit shortly after they move in and she sleeps in an upstairs room and overnight, she hears a series of knocks on the wall that separate her room from the room next door. And it's just like, one, two, three, break. One, two. And it's just, it's so consistent. It just seems, right? you know, intentional. Mm-hmm. But I don't think at that point they're really thinking much of it. Mm, yeah. And then a couple days later, she and her mom are on a walk around the house and Brooke sees a woman standing under a tree, like about 20 feet away. Now, there are neighbors, like, but not really. There's one house that kind of butts up against one side of the property, but you're, they're basically out by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and there's this woman standing under a tree, and she's just staring at them. And she looks at her closer, and she's wearing a white bonnet and a white dress. And then she's not there. Hmm. Like, she's just not there. Did we talk about the lady in... Um... What was it? Uh, the place where they did, uh, I'm totally forgetting names, but the lady that was dressed in the colonial clothes that was looking for her baby. Was that me and you having that conversation? I don't think so. We will talk about this later. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we'll come back to that bookmark. Yeah, bookmark. Um, so, you know, they see this woman and then um, the daughter, Evelyn, also saw the same woman not mm-hmm. that long after. She was walking from one side of the house to the front. And whenever they saw this one, she saw her several times. And she and other things that they would see around the house had a habit, I guess, of generally moving counterclockwise around the house. There was something to do with the, the counterclockwise movement around the house. It was most of the time, if they saw something, it would be going in that direction. Okay. Um, so Brooke was out one, one, night, one night late in the cold. Right. She's watching the dog pee, like you do. Right. I mean, like, if you don't leash your dog and you have to let it out to pee and you just right. kind of keep an eye on it. So she's standing, shivering, watching the dog pee. And um, she heard a voice call her name from the trees not that far out of the, like, off of the house. Mm-hmm. And um, she said, she said it sounded weird. It sounded like the same voice speaking in two octaves at once. It was like a female voice and it called her name. And then she heard it again closer. And Fuck. she's like, get the fuck inside. She's like, grab the dog and hurries inside. <laughs> So she's she's now hearing voices. Right. Shortly after this, Tom looks out the kitchen window and sees a man in buckskins walk behind the shed. And Brooke sees the same man not that not that long after this. She also saw a man in a gray jumpsuit just walk into the sky like he was taking a flight of invisible stairs. Like they're just seeing and I was like, man, these stories like that like Jenny's story was much more like hearing things and strange things happening and all this weird they're flat out fucking seeing people walking around their property from the time that they walk in right and so in november tom's outstairs outside collecting (coughs) firewood and he turns and sees a vertical shadow floating away from him he says it's cigar shaped he said it moves kind of like a spinning top in the air and he said i calmly walked inside the house locked the back door and cursed extravagantly (laughs) afterward 
I realized that in order to be on that trajectory, the thing must have moved behind me unnoticed. <gasps> so he's standing. And oddly, I think he said in the story that he was naked. I was like, these people are naked a lot. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but he's like, he's standing outside collecting firewood. And this like- thing has walked right behind him pick mushrooms from like the local all right i'm thinking garden. i don't Community know garden. you know band people sound a little hippie-ish sound a little bit like into you yeah. know the history and the land a little into the land i'm like mm-hmm. thinking we're getting some shit off the land but yeah okay. um yeah so all that, that shit i know i mean yeah. i seriously i'm like man i wouldn't care where these where these visions are coming from like, exactly i'm done with them at this point exactly a few weeks later this is the one that really got me oh, this no. is the one i see in my head no brooke was standing out on the front porch she had the dog in waiting everybody's always waiting for this damn dog to pee yes. and it like starts whining and pulling towards the west side of the porch and she goes over there and she sees a tan figure coming out of a band of trees by the shed and I'll show you the pictures of this house. The shed and the house are not far apart. Okay. Very, fairly close together. Like, so, there's just a walking alleyway in between the shed and the house. So tan as in they have a nice tan or tan as in this is a darker colored skin? I think a darker colored skin. Like an Indian. Yeah, I think of. a darker colored okay. skin. And she said a tan figure appeared. Or Native it had American, bowed sorry. legs and no head. So what? So fuck back up. It had like it was like its legs Repeat were that? bowed like it was you know like bowed legs like um like if you're you know been on a horse too long. <laughs> you know like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 bow-legged people so and and no head. And this is this is a direct quote. It shimmied towards Brooke in a crouch, whipping its long thin arms like tentacles. And then it receded back into the trees. And I was like, that's the one, like, right now saying that, the hairs are standing up on the back yeah, of my neck on that mine one. mine, too. Like, well, first of all, she fucking, st- like, stood around long enough to see it retreat, because mm-hmm. my ass would have been, like, five streets down. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, but, you know, at the same, part of me wonders, like, don't you just freeze? I mean, like, if I see something like that, and I, you don't know what it is right away, so if it's not really there for very long, it can kind of, like, dance forward at you and then dance back before you even get to the point where, like, you know that you should have been screaming the entire time. Right? Know? I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to ever test that theory. No, so me neither. I, I, I don't know. I would yeah. like to say that I would get the fuck out of there, but who knows? So, yeah, this, this shit, I mean... They oh. are full on seeing people. Right. So this is where I go on my little my little rabbit trail because I'm taking a pause from the actual hunting for a second. Okay, let's hear some historical. God fact. damn it! I'm burping so much because of the champagne. You're, we so, can't hear you. You're fine. It, they will if I keep saying. I'm just gonna burp like full on straight into the microphone you next time. I'm prove. I'm yeah. gonna prove what my pauses are for. So um, I kind of figured in 200 years, like a house is going to collect a lot of bad juju anyways. Right. 200 years of people. I mean, like, that's why I always, I want to go to like Ireland and study ghosts over there. Cause I'm like, oh my God, like, right. Never ending ending forever. Ghosts. Yes. But, um, this, never this house had ghosts. some, <laughs> the Sorry. Never ending. um, this house had some special things, happen some to special it? shit. Okay. Share and, with um, us. So one thing is the positioning of the house. I said that there was this recon- reconstructed Okanichi village near the house. It's a reconstruction of an actual Okanichi village from the late 17th, early 18th century that um, UNC archaeologists unearthed in the 80s. It was so close to the ground of the dig that they did that there's almost no question that the house is actually on Okanichi grounds. And when the the village that they unearthed was like, they had a one big walled village and then they had a couple of other smaller sites that are a little further north. And um, 
It includes burial grounds with the remains of 14 young men and children. And okay. so that and and it's been unearthed by archaeologists who, you know, need to understand, you know, that's their job. They understand that. But I mean, you know, right. we all know that like Native American burial grounds are a As trope. poltergeist has. Right. Poltergeist taught us, taught us all. Right. <laughs> But think it so, and I was like, so we all know, you know, it's bad to have your house near burial grounds. And I actually took a like a clip from the map so you can see, and I'll post it so you can yeah, see how dude. close they are. Oh wow! To this. Well, okay, sorry, I have a question. But tell okay, me your question. On. Well, no, I'm just curious as to if this was the case and if the house may have been built on a freaking burial ground. How come they didn't buy the house and start es- excavating there? To dig up the bones and include that in part of the preservation or whatever that they were trying to do. I think the actual the actual burial grounds have been uncovered and were I, they're probably like four hundred yards away. Okay, maybe more. I, I mean, you'll have to look at the map and okay. see where the actual excavation sites are. So that it's not on top of the burial grounds, mm-hmm. but it was definitely an Okonichi property. Okay. Like it is, it is where they lived. It is their place. Right. Um. And uh, so, like, I, I started thinking about this whole, like, Indian barrel ground. That's just what we, you know, that's mm-hmm. what we say to scare, you know, poltergeist. It's right. poltergeist. But then I started thinking about what that actually would mean in, in North Carolina. Because, like, in a fairly short amount of time between, like, 1625 and 1775, the colonial population grew from 2,000 to over 2.5 million people. Shit. And it displaced, of course, all the native peoples there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so the white people are coming in. They're taking land that's already occupied. It's been tribal lands for as long as building the on graveyards. Can remember. Building on graveyards. Mm-hmm. There, um, the land is like deeply connected to the belief system, the economy, the social structure, everything. And then when the native people pushed back, they're basically decimated. Right. And Christian missionaries, on top of that, like outlawed native languages. They made native traditions into savagery. They exploited like you know, competitions between the tribes. So the whole civilization is just thrown into like a shit chaos, shit storm. Mm-hmm. And so there's like, I was like, yeah, there's actually a huge reason for bad blood. Right. <laughs> well, like, absolutely. That's a absolutely. huge deal. Right. And uh, the other thing is though, so that situation of the house is like, is part of the reason why it might be haunted. Correct. The second part is the house itself and the people who are responsible for the house. Might have something to do with it. Okay. So James Hogg was a Scottish immigrant, came to America. He invested in something called the Transylvania Company in 1775. I've never heard of this. But the company was built. He was an investor. The company was built to push toward Western expansion. Oh, my God. You put way too much vodka in your drink. (laughs) Sorry. So Transylvania Company was pushing Westward expansion. They wanted to create a 14th colony called Transylvania. Holy fuck. I had no idea about any of this. I, I didn't know Transylvania was like that big of a thing. So they this this was a thing. So Transylvania Company's president was Richard Henderson, also from North Carolina. And he worked with Daniel Boone. Oh, okay. That's... To negotiate a huge illegal land grab from the Cherokee people. Illegal, in, is that what you said? Illegal oh, land yeah, grab. I imagine In the Treaty of Sycamore Shoals. So oh. they bought 200 million acres of what is now Kentucky and Tennessee for six wagons of weapons, supplies, liquor, and just like trinkets shit. Wow. And it was valued at like 10,000 British pounds, 20, wow. 200 million acres. Um, so, you know, they're going through these negotiations with the Cherokees 
And this young chief of the Chickamauga Cherokee is named Dragon Canoe, and he's like completely disgusted. He makes this impassioned speech. I know, it's like... (laughs) (laughs) No brainer. But oddly, you know, there are all these chiefs that are going along with it. Right. And he makes this speech about how the white man takes and takes and takes, and he asks, and then they ask their taking to be sanctioned after the fact by these fake ass treaties that they're asking everybody to do right and he calls them the greedy host he says if my people continue this way they're going to be extinct and then he said should we not therefore run all risks and incur all consequences rather than submit to further loss of our country such treaties may be all right for men who are too old to hunt or fight as for me i have my young warriors about me and we will hold our land all right and the speech worked for a day yeah like all the chiefs close negotiation, and then Henderson, in charge of Transylvania Company, and his people like Hogg, pulled the other chiefs back without Dragon Canoe, and had a feast, got them drunk, and convinced them to sign anyway. Mm. And they, there was a story that even said like somebody had to be there to hold their hands so that they could sign because they were I'm so sure. trashed they couldn't even like hold the pen. Right. And Which, when I mean that, with, that was all a fa- <clears throat> uh, just a farce anyway. Oh my god! They would have done it anyway without them. They so. would have. But then, so Dragon Canoe heard that they had signed. He turned to Henderson and he said, you bought a fair land, but you'll find its settlement dark and bloody. Mm. And he stormed out. Um, This was the Transylvania Purchase. This was an actual thing. Wow. Like, but it was nullified by the Virginia legislature because it was illegal. Which is, it's sad. It was illegal because you can't buy land from somebody that doesn't own it. They didn't consider the Cherokees like owners of the land. Right. So it was illegal for an equally shitty reason. (laughs) Like... Um, but by the time it was nullified, Daniel Boone has already begun blazing his wilderness trail into Kentucky and there are settlers going into Kentucky and Henderson and his associates like this guy Hogg, they didn't get their 14th colony, but as a, you know, as an appeasement prize, they got 200,000 acres of the land anyways from the legislature that they, you know, and that's Transylvania, Kentucky, right? It's now Henderson (laughs) County, Kentucky. Um, but Dragon Canoe weighed war along this trail for years and years. Even like Sequoia was a famous warrior that was trained under this guy who made this speech at the negotiations. Right. And Dragon Canoe was finally killed in 19, in 1794. This is the same year James Hogg returned to Hillsborough and built himself this lovely two-story mm-hmm. farmhouse on the banks of the Eno River. Yeah. So this guy who's like making illegal land grabs is the guy who built the house to begin with. Right. You know, he dies in 1804. He passes the house down. And um, is there any account of anything happening? No, no stories of anything happening then. As far as I know, as far as I know. Then in 1891, this wealthy businessman named Julian Carr buys the house and he's going to renovate it. So if his name sounds remotely familiar, Julian Shakespeare Carr, it's probably because you read it in news coverage surrounding the removal of a Confederate statue from UNC Chapel Hill a couple of years ago. Julian Carr was the spectacular dude who dedicated that statue in 1913 by telling the story of how he horsewhipped a Negro wench until her skirts hung in shreds for insulting and maligning a Southern lady. That guy, like, so the house right now has got two winners. Right. Total winners going for it. So he renovates the house. He names it Poplar Hill. Um, and I've got tons of pictures of him and his wife, like, posing on the property with all their, you know, black servants and workers and everything um and in 1978 it was sold again by the people who rented out the property so like this is a house of like racist thieves revisionists like 
a stone's throw from an Indian burial Indian burial ground. Right. So things continue what to get worse. What could go wrong? I know. <laughs> Sounds lovely. So now Tom and Brooke start seeing in broad daylight in this house these white vapors that just rise out of the floorboards of the house and just move through the rooms. I'm sorry. Why are they still there? I know. I know. Like but after, this started like, as soon as they got there. Like person with no head come at me. I'd be like. I'm out. I swear. This is... I'm out. It's like every single horror movie maybe is true about this. Like, why don't you move out of the house? Correct. I mean, like, seriously, I would, like, go to the nearest little, like, shittiest hotel. Seriously. And be like, I'm here until (laughs) we get the situation sold or just yeah we're, we're done we're, we're done. done and luckily these guys are renting so which makes it like even less of a so i don't know i don't know yeah. why people stay okay. i don't know if it happens to me i'll let you know but hopefully okay. i will never be no, in that please. situation yes so yeah they're like all kinds of shit continues they're hearing their names called they're hearing doors opening when there are no doors opening um one night the side door locks just start ra- rattling like crazy and all three of them are sitting inside by the fireplace together um then Evelyn sees a tall, gray-haired lady watching them from the kitchen doorway, just like like she wants to come in and chill with them, just like watching them like interested. And the lady's her gray hair, shoulder length. She said she was incredibly tall. Her head was at the top of the doorway, which was over six feet tall. And she ran into the kitchen because she was pissed. Like by this point, like little girl is mad and Mm -hmm. there's nothing there, of course. And they think that this might be, there's a spirit that like would follow people into the kitchen and stand behind them when they looked in the freezer. You could hear the floorboards um, creaking when it was there. And they think that that was the woman. And um, one time like Evelyn and Brooke just like cursed it when they were standing there and they heard it and a bottle of baby shampoo just flew across the room. Um, Brooke got out of the shower one day and saw the bottom of a long skirt and a woman's bare feet walking away through the wall mirror. And she said it was like, it was like you were seeing things in grayscale. It was like everything. There weren't shadows. It was just everything was bluish gray. Like it wasn't like reflecting light. And um, a friend of Evelyn's was sleeping over and she saw that woman standing in her room, looming over the bed, fully bent over, like expecting them to move or notice her. And which all I could think of was Hill House and like that, the, right. the crooked woman, like the bent woman. The bent neck woman. Yeah. Yes. Um, bent neck lady. Yeah. But the, the woman. That's such a good movie. Yeah. Oh my God. You should watch that if you haven't already. <laughs> yeah. But the, uh, and the woman continued to stand outside the bathroom while Brooke took showers. Like she could watch her in the mirror. She could what? see her stand out there when she took showers. One day they got home, all the ca- bathroom cabinets were flung open and their tampons were gone and they never found them. Like a random obsession for a ghost, right? Right. I don't know. Maybe she was like a. I don't know. I, I have Just no idea. Weird. I don't know about the fridge opening thing. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, can I fix you a sandwich? I know. Seriously. Like, Did you leave me? Can I get bed? you something? Right. Would you like <laughs> to bathe first? It's I, I like. It's a peeping tom ghost. Just like sitting yeah. there staring at her while she showers. Right. Um. Tom's and this is another thing that reminds me of Hill House too. Tom said he said he saw an elongated man appear downstairs. He said he was Fuck. almost two dimensional. He was like 
so flat. Yeah, that's the thing that really fucking creeped me out about that show. Was that, that tall, tall guy that guy floated around. That that's floated all around? I could think of when I saw this. Fuck that. That yes. he said he would look at you from around corners or doorways and he would flash you a big old toothy smile and then he would flatten into the wall and vanish is what he said. What the fuck? And I was people? like, that one is the shit. Yeah, what the fuck? I mean, <laughs> I, I they was apparently, like, oh my God. There's like a line and like I said, the line had been already crossed so as far long ago. as I'm concerned. <laughs> so it's long like ago. When you start cohabiting with headless tentacle guys should yes. have been the breaking point. I should think. have been. I feel like I shouldn't I shouldn't constantly judge these people who don't leave these houses, having never been in this situation. But I I'm don't like, know. I'm oh my judging. god. I'm kind of judging. I'm I'm just like, wow, how do you how do you man- like, I don't know how you how do you sleep? Like you wouldn't be able to yeah, sleep or no. do anything. Right. I don't um, know. because this sounds like I mean Free, this is not infrequent like that the, there are this many individual stories and that all most of these things happen more than once so it's like i don't know i wouldn't be able to even walk in no I, i'm no, not i that would ballsy. dread going home yeah i would like just fucking dread going home i would too so yeah he'd like stuff happened like um he said he watched scratches appear on his wife's back while they were showering <gasps> what he the said, fuck i know dude? just appear um sleep paralysis again happened to her uh-huh. just like happened to jenny but um Sorry, that burp wasn't loud enough for me to scream it into the microphone. Um, <laughs> for Brooke, it wasn't like the the you know skinless thing. She said it was a hooded thing with long, thin arms. Its hands were hook shaped, and its arms looked like black vinyl. It had red eyes, and later it just appeared other places. Like it would show up in the fireplace. It would walk. It would walk around. Um, that that one's creepy as shit. They like I think they tried to make jokes of it because if they don't make jokes of it, they're gonna go crazy. So they right. had like nicknames for them. <laughs> like Smoky, right. spaghetti arms, right. bonnet lady, smiley, the buckskin man. It's kinda like what they do with sharks. Yeah. The surfers do and they're like, you know, men in the gray suit, gray suit men are over there because the word shark is so terrifying. Yeah. Like we saw some guys in gray suits over there. Yeah. And like so. you've gotta you've gotta have some kind of a Right. But um yeah, they, um, Brooke was out like feeding the deer one time and she saw a dark skinned man with long dark hair wearing nothing but animal skin pants standing near the trees behind the house. He went behind a tree and a buck appeared on the other side of the tree and walked toward her. And when it was 10 feet away, she nodded to it and it bowed to her and walked off. Um, and all this stuff, I don't know what their actual breaking point was. I'm baffled by that because mine right. would have been like, like we said, like 50 breaking points have already happened in this yeah, story. Exactly. But they only lived there for nine months. They, they pulled it out for nine months and then they broke their lease and moved. And when they left, um, I guess all this was Brooke's idea. She Everybody grabbed like a container of salt and they walked in single file around the house and everybody poured salt all over the doorways and all over the windowsills. And... Um, Hello, maybe you'd done that beforehand. It's, I know, well. <laughs> I don't know. But I, they said, um, and there were a billion, I guess, he didn't really say, he said they didn't know about the superstitions or whatever that mm-hmm. would have, like, I, I don't know why Brooke decided to pour salt. There are right. like a billion reasons when you look into it why you would. Right. There's like even a Shinto, like Shinto uses it to, to stop evil spirits from coming into a room. So it's like a flat out, right. like, thing. But, um. They said when they got back to the front of the house after putting salt everywhere, they saw a tall figure pacing back and forth in the mudroom. They said it flitted angrily and it looked like heat waves off of hot asphalt. It was so pissed and it was stuck. It couldn't leave the house. And they just got in their car and drove away. And they've never gone back. They've never looked back. They didn't turn around. It was yeah. like, you're done. You're done. Yeah. 
Fuck. I wonder who's living there now. I, I wonder that too. I mean, like I said, it was for sale. I don't know though when that, I don't know when it was for sale, but mm-hmm. not that long ago it totally was for sale and was like probably Google sold. Google map this shit. They look. had already had a series of renters before these guys moved in. And nobody's like... I was like, what kind of asshole like lives in this town and does not tell people that right. they can't move into this house? Exactly. Like, Where's all your haint blue people? Seriously. So yeah, that's what you get when you got old native ghosts, man. Like, again, I'm all about like, we get the hauntings we deserve. Oh my God, yes. So that's my story. Um, my second haunted yes. house story. Yes, thank you. I do have shivers and chill bumps, and I'll be thinking about that. Headless mm. ghost walking around bow legged next to my spaghetti arms. Yeah. Oh, dude, all I could think of is dirty dancing when people say spaghetti arms. Is that just me? Are you with <laughs> that's me? Like the spaghetti chair. arms? <laughs> <laughs> this is my dance space. This is your dance space. <laughs> Shivers. So I think you're definitely going to be the scary ass shit co-host of this podcast. Also the person who doesn't believe in anything. Like, exactly. I'm, I'm over here ass. like in a melted puddle of goo. <laughs> and I'm definitely not doing scary ass. I'm being scared to death. No, that is fascinating. And once I get over the nightmares, I will definitely have to like investigate more. Before, that was my problem. I got in. I I started going down the rabbit holes of like native culture and right, like the real. Oh yeah, you know the real stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a whole history of like, of this time period that was like passed on by by native peoples mm-hmm. like orally, and then people are starting you know in the last like. 40 years to write books about like these are these are the real things that actually happened you know so um yeah but you stopped in the middle and said that there was a story that you were gonna tell it was about a woman and a baby i don't know if susan was telling me this or if i read it while i was going down the rabbit hole but there is like a ghost in um charleston south carolina Mm -hmm. that um or is it savannah georgia I'm going to go there soon. So if it's Savannah, I'll find it. It, it may be Savannah, Georgia, but it is a woman who is looking for her baby that paces up and down at night um, in colonial garb and asking, have you seen her baby? And she'll come up to like tourists and stuff and tourists have like have recounted seeing this person. Oh, wow. And um, and they would like, you know, turn around, and start looking and they turn around and the woman would be gone. Oh my so god! So it's kind of like a known thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Savannah, Georgia, that this may be a thing. So, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find so it because I'll be we'll in Savannah to... in a couple weeks. Right. So oh, I'm that gonna, would be amazing. I'm gonna find it. Yeah. Yes. What are you going there for? Vacation fun? Sort of. Yeah. Randy has a conference, and so <gasps> I'm gonna tag. Along. Yes, as you should. Oh my god! There's so much that you can like go up there and look and bring back. That's gonna be amazing. I'm going to try. Yes. That'll be amazing. Even if not, I mean, there should be like some books or something. Mm -hmm. So speaking of books, Susan brought over a book that's like the scoundrels of Alabama. I think it's from Alabama. So this is the problem with you. Yeah. Telling me scary shit right off the bat. I start drinking. (laughs) And then now I am like on the verge of like 
having a hard time concentrating <laughs> on my pronunciation <laughs> so I don't slur my words, which I do. Or either I get real country, which happens. <laughs> I think that's enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Okay. Shit. So, so her book on scoundrels, um, and this is very, like, that's very scary, and it has, like, the historical Native American aspect to it. This is, like, some straight-up asshole bullshit dude. <laughs> um during the Civil War time. But I love this story because I was reading this book and like all of these like murderers and thieves and rapists and pirates and stuff that are in this book um, seem to kind of all have the same ending that's very similar to this. Not exactly, but you'll see. I don't want to say the ending yet because I want y'all to um, enjoy it with me because I think I'm going to call this one Karma's a Bitch. <laughs> All right. So this is the story of Mountain Tom Clark. Okay. So that probably means nothing to you. Nope. Which is fine. So Tom Clark first made his appearance in Lauderdale County, Alabama in 1862. So I'm not really sure like the exact timing of the Civil War. Do you know your Civil War dates? That I know it was the end right. of the 1800s or so. But so what he was doing, uh, we don't know if he's a native of the states, the state of Alabama or not. Oh, it ended in 1865. Okay, so yeah. started so this is, in 1861, so you're smack. So right yeah, now. like right after the war started, right? Which makes sense, because he moved to this Blackburn settlement location um, from some other mountainous home of we do not know where, because he was outrunning, uh, they were forcing men to join the Confederate Army. Oh, uh, okay. Okay, so we don't know if he was a native of the state or not. We just know he was kind of on the run, but he was from the mountains, thus the name Mountain Tom. He's a draft dodger. He Yes, he was a draft dodger. <clears throat> um, so he came to the Blackburn Settlement, and this is kind of like northwest Alabama is the area that we're talking about. Uh, let's see. He was named Mountain Tom, or mountain tom clark because there was another person in the vicinity that was also a tom clark so he was mountain tom clark and the other tom clark was named chinubi tom clark what? like what the fuck How so did he get i that guess one? i don't know like, if we have tom. <laughs> yeah. tom so if we have like a jennifer smith and a jennifer smith one would have to be like I don't know, cross-eyed Jennifer Smith and, you know, 7th Street Jennifer Smith. I, I don't know. I mean, what what the hell? So anyway, that's just how they did things back then. So he was running from his mountain home, um, and he was retreating into Lauderdale County because the officers, the enlistment officers were after him. And um, they ended up finding him again. And, and this is very vividly described. They're like on a cold, nasty day <laughs> while building a stick chimney. <laughs> that seems unwise. <laughs> yes. While building a stick chimney to his uncompleted house of a sticks. stick chimney. <laughs> I don't know. See, like the second little piggy. Um, both his wife and his kids were and his kid was ill. And this is the only mention of his family at the time. So his wife and his child was ill. He's 
building the stick chimney. He's like on the run because he doesn't want to join the war. But they found him and they made him join. And he was like so pissed off. So he was taken into the Confederate army, but he escaped. Um, and this is where they think when they like, they forced him into the army. This is where like his demons were unleashed. He got so pissed uh. off at fucking everybody. So he deserted the Confederate army and his, he, they said that he became a demon after this. And, um, he said he didn't like the Confederate army because the officers, well, first of all, he was forced into it. And second of all, he says officers were anxious for his services. Whatever the fuck um, that means. That sounds shady. It does sound shady. We're anxious for his services. Yes, hmm. I, I don't. I don't understand. Apparently, he was like a really good shot. Like he, he oh, was really good. He, like, was he had mountain he just skills. Had pretty legs. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting, like, you yeah. say that. We'll we'll loop around back okay. to that at the end here. Okay. So, <clears throat> so anyway, so he. Um, he escaped, and he, as you do, immediately goes, joins the Union Army. Because it's like, oh, you know. He's like, fuck you guys. Yeah, enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? Oh, my God. He's like, I will fucking show you, right? This guy's like. So he goes to Tennessee. There's a camp in Tennessee, and he enlists in the Union Army. And he signed um, as a guard on the 2nd Tennessee Mounted Infantry. What is, like... I don't understand, like, the second, the first infantry. Like, oh, that, that doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand But anyway, that that's, that's, like, this, the uh, That's the part in the history, but where I'm just like, I don't, da, did you say da, something? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, and not specific to you. I just mean, like, I read it in history books, and that's the it's part like, that just, like, there's, like, a censorship black right over Right, it. there's like, no context. It doesn't mean it doesn't, anything. It doesn't mean anything, right. But he was a great mountain man, hence the name Mountain Tom Clark. Um, he was a crack with a rifle, um, and he benefited the army, but, uh, he had other plans, right? So during this time when they are like forcing men to join the wars, the beginning of the war, and of course there's so much chaos and confusion going on. And in this camp that he was, this union camp that he was in, in Tennessee, um, the army had like, their orders were very strict and discipline was very rigid. Like, there was a lot of firing squads for, Whoa. like, fucking up. Like, you fucking up, you die. Kind of thing. So, they were very rigid about stuff like that. But he, uh, they were in this camp. And this camp, their orders were, if people can come into the camp, like, civilians. You know, regular civilians could come into the camp. But once they were in the camp, they could not leave. And ever? that was ever. And that was because there were so many like guerrilla soldier, guerrilla, um, or they called them bushwhackers, kind of said so there was like little deposit of gangs out there that was sabotaging both parties. So not oh. only were like, you know, the Union, the Confederate soldiers, you know, fighting each other, there was a bunch of bullshit going on in between because mm. they thought war is a perfect time just for chaos mm -hmm. um, to or ensue. Like, like looting and stuff looting like that? Looting. Like, and, and, uh... and this is, and again, we'll get to that soon. So Tom Clark's his guard and he's not supposed to let anybody outside the camp. Once mm -hmm. you're in, you're in. And there was this gentleman God, that's there. It's like, my wife Mary came to visit me. <laughs> that's right. like, I want to leave. My children are outside. <laughs> Too bad. Um, 
So there was this gentleman in camp and he was wanting to leave. And so he was kind of studying everything and he noticed that Clark seemed to be the weakest link <laughs> as far as, you know, being Discipline. able to bribe his... Yeah, he, he, <laughs> yeah. he was. He was a simpleton. He was not known for his intellect. Um, so he went up to Clark and he said, I will give you this pocket watch if you will let me leave. And Clark was like, okay. <laughs> And so he let him leave. Well, the person that left uh, was noticed pretty much right away that he was no longer in camp. Mm -hmm. So they started investigating to see who let him out. And like during the investigation, Tom was like, oh, fuck, they're going to catch me. (laughs) And what they did to people that let guards that let him out, they put him in front of a firing squad and they would kill him. So they're like, I have better luck, like just defecting. Just so he snuck off before they could name him as the person that let this guy go. Mm. So when he was let go, um, he fell into a group with a group of men, uh, that the locals described as being the worst group of mean cutthroats ever to curse the face of the earth. Their their names would bring fear and anxiety to all who spoke. And in Northwest Alabama, they were known as the Booger Gang. -uh. (laughs) Nuh-uh. Booger Gang. But they really were some shitheads, okay? <laughs> the bo- it's not like, that's like I always thought it was funny that like the boogeyman was the booger man, right? Like, <laughs> so it's like oh the booger gang, the booger gang, the boogeyman, the boogie gang wouldn't even that'd be like no, a bunch be like, of, like dudes in afros, like dude. <laughs> right? No, so watch out for the booger gang. <sighs> so their first like recorded act of lechery happened um, at Bainbridge on the Tennessee River. Apparently, uh, Tom Clark and this guy, Solace Green, got into it. And so Tom tried to kill Solace Green and Green got away. So he's like, this is some bullshit. You don't get away from Mountain Tom Clark. So he followed Solace Clark to his home. And his home was on this other side, like on the south side of the um, river. And of course, Tom, Mountain Tom Clark could not suffer a man to live after he tried to kill him. So he went to go cross the river and there were like three Confederate soldiers that were on the bank of the river waiting for the opportunity to cross. And the booger gang came upon them and shot two of them like dead. No questions asked. And then they followed, um, they went up the hill to where Mrs. Green and her children were and the third Confederate soldier had gone up to buy some, or not to buy, but just to get some firewood for their campfire while they were waiting to cross the river. And um, they shot him point blank. Um, you know, and I think he even begged for his life. And they were like, fuck you. And they shot him. And they were known, like, they were ruthless. It's like, if they didn't kill you the first time and they saw that you were alive, they just went back and finished the job. Mm. So they're very much like, kill you, shoot you, you're not dead. We're going to chase you to the ends of the earth and make sure that you're dead and kill them. They and really then, needed a different name. They needed, they really like, did. Oh, I, I keep on thinking of just snot rockets. Like, every time you say, they shot somebody, I just picture sure. like, them covering up one nostril. <laughs> right. They like... snotted them all over the place. But no, they were just like real, they were just assholes. 
just like murderous assholes. Um, so they killed all three soldiers and there's two sides of this story. They went up and one story says that Silas Green was in that cabin and they just caught the cabin on fire and he burned to death in the cabin. Uh The other story says that Mrs. Green and her children were in the cabin and the other men lit the cabin on fire. And then Clark came and said, um, Basically, he told them to put it out and leave um, the children, leave all of them alone, Hmm. um, which kind of contradicts every other thing that I've read about this character. Yeah. Um, So anyway, but, you know, he he was uh, accredited with these murders. All right. So the Booger Gang returns to the Florence area in like 1865. Civil War is still going on, I guess. It just would have ended. It just would have. Towards the end of it, maybe. Yeah. Which would make sense. April 1865 was the end. Yeah. I don't don't know the exact date that they kind of returned to the area to terrorize the town and the citizens. They found a wealthy, frail old man who had a plantation. His name was John S. Wilson and they tortured him by putting books on top of his chest and then lighting the books on fire. They poured coals on his feet trying to get him to give up the location of his money like where's the safe kind of thing and he never gave it up Um, and then they eventually just shot him and killed him. Oh my god. And then one of his work hands, uh, plantation overseers, walked in on this and they shot him. And they basically killed everybody that they came upon at the plantation while that they were looting it. And so once they looted this plantation, they went to like downtown Florence and were partying and just like terrorizing and stayed up all night and created this huge ruckus. And they they settled down in Florence, Alabama as their home quarters. And they proceeded to torture and rob and terrorize the citizens of Florence, Alabama during this time. Oh, my God. So it wasn't too long after this that the law kind of caught up with them. And um, two of the men of the gang were caught and they were shot by the federal authorities. But Tom got away and he kind of stayed, was it on the lamb? He was on the lamb for like seven years and ended up hiding in this mountainous area. Again, Mountain Tom Clark. Mountain Tom Clark. Of Jackson County. Do you know where Jackson County is? I I should have done more research on this. I was gonna, I've been to Florence once, but it was for a, like a really small, crappy Renaissance fair. So I don't think that really is contextually right. very helpful. Right. <laughs> like, I know. I will find, I'll try to post like pictures of where all of this stuff, because I, I like to visualize where it is in the state when I'm talking about it so i really should look this up so but um so he's hiding out in this mountainous area of jackson county and in the fall of 1872 he was visiting waterloo alabama do you know where waterloo is no okay i didn't know we had one i didn't either uh somebody saw him and recognized him and reported him to the local sheriff that seems unusual like because they would have had to just recognize him from what like drawings right like if they had wanted posters or maybe he was just a big enough of an asshole that everybody kind of knew what he looked like yeah i guess like if you're afraid of somebody you try and teach your children what they look like right right yeah i don't know so 
there are questions. So anyway, so he was hanging out with these two other thieves at the time. And the sheriff got a posse together. And as you do, I guess, you go after um, the outlaw, Mountain Tom Clark, and the two other men. And they captured them. Here's two other places. I have no idea where they are. Pettypool Hill near Gravelly Springs. I mean, this shit sounds that like made-up names. I was going to say, that one sounds like maybe that's what people call Called this place. It, and it's not, yes. What is it? Petty, Petty Pool? Petty Pool Hill. I'm going to look that up. Near Gravelly Springs. Mm. So the two other guys were actually just thieves. I don't think they were murderers yet. And they were wanted by the state of Indiana. What were they doing in Alabama? I don't know. Running from Indiana. So, back to the statement that you made earlier. There is a saying or a legend that Tom happened to be wearing a woman's dress when he was captured here in um, Pettypool Hill. I'm sure he was just trying to conceal his identity. I'm I'm sure sure it had nothing to do. I'm sure that's what it was. I'm sure he did a fantastic job of it as well. (laughs) Okay. So once the citizens of Florence found out that they, because they basically brought them back. So they brought them from this area and they brought them back to Florence where he had done all this terrible shit and he was really wanted. Um, to put and they were wanting to put him on trial but of course as soon as the citizens who had he had terrorized for years and murdered and just did all these despicable things they found out that that he was in the county jail they formed a lynch mob they broke into the jail and they pulled tom and those two thieves out and they hung him in a field across the street from the cemetery mm. Oh, actually, I don't know if the field was across the street from the... Anyway, they hung him. Mm -hmm. And right before he was hanged, Tom declared that no man would ever run over Tom Clark. Okay. Okay. So just remember that. So they hung him till they died, till dead. (laughs) And they were going to bury them uh, in the cemetery. But the women of Florence said, "Uh uh-uh. Not going to bury in this consecrated ground, Mm -hmm. these shitheads. So they ended up burying them in the field across from the cemetery. Except they they buried the two thieves and they're like, you know what? We're going to take Tom Clark. And they dug a hole in the middle of what was Tennessee Street that was like right in front of the gates of the cemetery. Mm Mm-hmm. And they buried him underneath the street so that every single man, woman, and child from then until this day forward would run over Tom Clark, which I think is absolutely fantastic. That's genius. That is like karma. That's so amazing. So I totally love that bit of vengeance there. And he remains there till this day. So he's known to have murdered personally like around 16 men although they think it was like greater wow and of course he got you know blamed for things atrocities that he didn't do and mm-hmm. he probably got away with atrocities that nobody knew about so you know how things go it's like it was just like 
unlawful. They, there was so much bad stuff going on during that time. Well, yeah, I mean, especially like in the South after the Civil War. Is right? there? I mean, it, it would have been just a free for all in some places. I exactly, or free for all during because there was yeah. so much chaos. I mean, you could attribute it to to either side. Um, of during the war you're mm-hmm. like oh that was just you know union soldiers oh that was just the confederate soldiers and it really was just these asshole fucking murderers mm-hmm. that were like hanging out in the woods and whatnot so this is the really shitty like i was like okay like well i wasn't okay i mean he fucking murdered people so mm-hmm. he's a horrible bad person but then i read this last thing and i was like yeah i fucking hate this dude Uh-oh. and i'm thinking about driving up to florence <laughs> just so you can just drive so over. i can drop over <laughs> him, right so the only murder that he says to regret because he's i think i read an account where he was like pleading for his life and like was like being all remorseful afterwards because he was scared of dying mm-hmm. and all this like up in the end although he did make the asshole statement of no man will ever run over tom clark um he said the only murder he regret was that of a one-year-old boy. Ugh. Ugh. And this one-year-old boy was wearing a medallion that he wanted. So he fucking impelled him with his <gasps> knife. What? In order to take that medallion. Jesus Christ. I you know. could just take it. Just they take say it's it. easy to take candy from fucking babies. I know. Son Sounds of a like, bitch. Yeah, you fucking asshole. Like, fucking, yeah, we should go. We should go and drive over this absolutely dickhead. Yes. So that is I really want to do. You, oh, so it's really there. Like people. Yeah. That's yeah, so he cool. has a historical marker that talks about, um, you know, who he is, what he did. And you can go up there if you're near Florence, Alabama and drive down Tennessee Street and run over the son of a bitch. Oh, my God. You know what's funny? I looked up. I looked up Gravelly Springs, mm-hmm. and it's uh, right off the Natchez Trace Parkway, oh. which you have your own specific. And yeah. it's and it's right near a place called. This is, I swear to God, there's a place called Sigh Hollow. S i g h Sigh Hollow, right near there. I'm like, there is no oh. more despondent a people yes. <laughs> that lives in Sigh Hollow, Alabama. I'm going up to Sigh. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's all right outside of Florence. All yeah. of that right outside of Florence. I imagine that's probably where it was. Oh my God. Let's go to Florence and drive over that dick. Oh, for sure. Yes. So that's your... I gotta look up what a bushwhacker is. Because I... Man, I know it's a drink. I know it's a very good drink. It's a very good drink. Ooh. I, hey, ooh, there's an idea. Time, right? <laughs> we should do that. But yeah, so this, you know bushwhacker uh what was some other things that they were called i forget common outlaws common outlaws booger gang booger gang ew just i keep on picturing like the mucinex characters like wandering around like engulfing people in snot yeah. <laughs> yeah, i have too many watch children. out it's the booger gang it's the booger gang oh god uh good story Thank you. <laughs> Good story. Thanks, Susan, for the story <laughs> recommendation. Yes, Susan's traveling too. So we're thanks, Susan. I know. I know for sure. All right. Well, I guess it's on to another week. It is on to another week. If you have suggestions, you can always email us at stories at the strange south dot com 
are posted on Facebook. We're also at the Strange South Podcast. Tell me if I'm getting this wrong. That's Strange, correct. That's correct. I'm, I'm, okay. I've been thinking really hard. Yes, thank you. And that's the Strange South Podcast is on Instagram. Also. Yes, as well. And please, you know, let us know what you want to listen to, or if you have any strange stories in the South, let us know. Yep, hit us up. Hit us up, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.